Hi, welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward. And I'm your other host, Kurt Flagle. And today we are revisiting a topic that we've talked about in other seasons of our show, dreams. There's been a lot of things that I've learned. You learn as you go. And the journey continues when it comes to dreams. I've learned a lot over the last few years since the first time we've talked about dreams. So I thought it would be good to revisit that. So first of all, Kim, before we talk about me... Oh, boy. ...and the journey I've been on in learning to process my dreams in God's presence over the last few years, what's the journey been like for you? What are some of the things that you've discovered and learned when it comes to dreams over the last few years? For me, it's kind of new. What do you mean new? Like? new? New just in terms of I've always had dreams way more than I remembered that I wished I could forget. Uh, I have a tendency towards nightmares. But it honestly wasn't until you and I started meeting, really, that I started learning how to process them mm. at all. I mean, I was in environments where dreams were talked about as a way God spoke but I wasn't necessarily taught how that looked or how to interpret, you know, what I was experiencing. So for me, it's, it's, you know, it's really only been like the last two or three years as well that I've gotten to process any of that. And yes, I totally blame you. <laughs> what are some of the environments that you heard that God spoke uh, uh, well, through dreams? Yeah. So obviously the first one for me would have been Youth With a Mission. Because literally, I know we've had this conversation before, but the second week was an entire week on how God speaks. Uh, And they always had scripture to back up all the different ways. I still have my list. Like, of scriptures? Uh, Yeah. I have a memory box with stuff left over from then. Different notes people wrote, that kind of stuff. I did write down all of the different scriptures that went with the different ones. And, you know, so they mentioned dreams is one of the ways God speaks, but they were focusing more on the still small voice and pictures and that kind of stuff as the main main things that they were teaching us about. So it, it was definitely not at the forefront. The forefront meaning like the it's practical we, yeah, application. Of how to interpret your dreams. Yeah, because we were focusing more on learning how God spoke to us personally and putting that into practice. So it was a lot more sitting down, listening, going, God, what do you think about me? Or what do you want to share to someone else? It was a lot more of that practical application, and dreams were mentioned just more in a passing fashion. I was just like, oh, well, Scripture says that God speaks through dreams, mm-hmm. and let's move on. Do you remember a Scripture in particular? Downside of not something not being focused on? I mean, obviously, you see examples throughout Scripture of Daniel interpreting Scripture. Or interpreting dreams. Interpreting dreams. Well, Daniel's honestly the one that came, always comes yeah. to my mind the, the most. That's, I just asked for one. There you go. There's your one. <laughs> the church I grew up in definitely didn't talk about dreams at all. I mean, it was honestly kind of like, oh, sure, God speaks, but we're not going to give you any information, really. Just pray and ask God. I'm like, it's not very informative. Yeah, what does that actually look like, practically speaking? But then when I went down to the healing rooms in San Maria and other school of supernatural ministry, they had a couple classes on dream interpretation. And I, I did miss the first one. I was sick. But I just remember feeling like 
going into it, even getting caught up on it, it just seemed so complicated. Hmm. Like they were talking about numbers and all this detail stuff, and I was like, uh, I can't remember the last time I noticed a number in my dreams. Normally I'm getting chased by stuff. <laughs> Not exactly uh, how I operate. So it just, it, it seemed hard, first off. It seemed like something that was going to give me a headache. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to leave that to everyone else, and if that's something you're excited about, cool. I'm going to stick with the ways I know God speaks to me that uh, don't stress me out automatically. So, I mean, those were really the only two before you and I started meeting that I had any sort of experience with the idea that God spoke through dreams. Well, now you've had a few years, and though you might call yourself a newbie at this, my assumption would be that other people listening to this, a lot of people, I'd say a majority of people, haven't done any work to process dreams or even know how. So as much as you feel like you're a newbie, you have things to share. So what Going from, you know, this idea that you felt it was too complicated, what would you say is your perspective now? I mean, it definitely still takes work because you have to be willing to be open to whatever God's trying to show you. And oftentimes, I feel like, at least for me, the dream stuff normally is trying to show me stuff that I'm not willing to look at Mm. in my waking life. It can still feel hard only because you have to be willing to look at it. And if you're not in a place that you're willing to, then uh, it gets a little confusing inside your head space. When you say you have to be willing to look at it, at what? Because part of what you're doing when you're interpreting dreams is you're like, okay, God, what are you showing me? What am I noticing? What parts of this? are me because one of the things you taught me is like well pretty much everyone in the dream probably represents some part of you and apparently I'm not very nice to me on a regular basis so you have a lot of mean people in your dreams? I I do tend to have a lot of mean people in my dreams there's normally at least one but you just have to be willing to be honest with yourself and honest with God and open to what he's wanting to show you and that can be a hard space to get into because it means surrendering and vulnerability. Yeah. The times you've done that and been open and honest with God and yourself and been vulnerable, how many times have you walked away feeling worse about yourself? God's not a God of condemnation. Right. You know, he's always like, no, let me encourage you on this. You're getting stuck here. Let's move forward. Yeah, so in in the end, the end processing, it's always about moving forward and hearing how he feels about you or you know hey look you're believing this lie give that to me so you don't wind up feeling worse about yourself you know normally it's encouraging I mean there might still be some rough stuff to work through going oh I do believe that okay I have to give it to God and wrestle through that but yeah it's always a good experience in the end Well, you mentioned that you, there are things about yourself, you know, that typically you're wrestling with that you don't want to face mm-hmm. or you don't want to wrestle with. And so <laughs> as, well, as an Enneagram 9, that number tends to fall asleep, as we've talked about plenty of times, but it tends to fall asleep to conflict and to working through tough stuff. Yeah. Because that's conflict, right? And because it messes with my inner peace 
an outer piece and well, it's not a real piece, but hey, it's that nice control I got over the situation. Right. Yeah, it's it's a lack of conflict or so it seems, but really it's not it's just suppression of conflict. Your number tends to put a lot of energy into conflict suppression within and without and <laughs> There's not a lot of energy left over for other things because a lot of it's put into that. So it's not really peace. Mm. It's a lot of work, actually. Oh, and how. And so in your number, it's a, it's putting up walls, right? Even yeah. walls so you don't see what's right in front of you. And that's true, I think, of a lot of people. It doesn't matter who they are. We tend to put up walls and wear masks. And we and we tend to delude ourselves. We tend not to want to face what's inside. I think that's true of, of a majority of people. And that's one of the things about dreams. It's how God gets under our walls. When we are willing to look at dreams, we find that God is the one who's revealing things that we've hidden from ourselves. There's another aspect to dreams that's interesting based on what you said. Like, that's why, first of all, that's why things get revealed in dreams oftentimes that you're not willing to face is because that's the play, that's the avenue God has. Yeah. Well, you won't give me any other avenue, so I will speak through your dreams. Now, granted, a lot of people don't process their dreams, so they ignore that as well. Yeah. The other thing that you said is a lot of your dreams tend to be scary. As I'm listening to you, I, I think that's not a surprise to me because, again, the nine personality tends to suppress things. Mm -hmm. The reason why dreams can be scary is because the veil that the enemy puts on us in real life when it comes to evil, mm -hmm. especially, he places that veil on our minds and hearts. So. In waking life, it's hard for us at times to discern good from evil. Mm. You know, as a Christ follower, that's true. And if you're not, that's even more true. Well, in dreams, that veil is lifted. That's why things feel so so much more black and white, so much more scary, or so much more joyous, is because the veil is lifted that mute those things. And so evil is seen as for what it really is, as scary and ugly as it really is. And good is seen for what it really is, because dreams take that veil away. So, for you, that's probably why you have a lot of scary dreams. doesn't mean that there isn't positive things that God was revealing in that, but he, he's pointing out the scary stuff that maybe you don't want to deal with in waking life. Oh, yeah. And so he's bringing those kind of dreams in because there's suppression going on there. But I found every dream that I've ever interpreted, even the ones that have been really difficult, like I'm so committed at this point to interpreting every dream. There's dreams I have that are just nasty. Like, I don't mean nasty like in evil. Well, I do mean evil. But not scary evil, more sleazy. Like, I feel dirty. There's times I wake up from dreams, sometimes sexual dreams or whatever, where I just... I just feel completely dirty and I don't I don't want to process it. I don't want to think about those things, you know, at another moment, but I'm so I'm so committed to this that I'll do it, trusting that God is going to reveal himself to me and he does. 
even the craziest, filthiest dreams I have, God speaks through those. It's amazing the message of encouragement that he'll give me through those dreams. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. So, Kim, for you, as the self-proclaimed newbie, and the one who felt like what you knew of dream interpretation sounded too complicated, I think it would be good for you to describe to people some of the tools that you have learned to use to interpret your dreams that have been helpful for you. I mean, yeah, what's your process? Like, what are some of the things you do when you have a dream that you remember when you wake up? That's the first key, right? Yeah. If, if you can remember it, yeah, then you know God is Yeah. Well, obviously, the, yeah. So the first one would just be write it down because no matter how good you think your memory is, it's not that good. And dreams tend to slip away quickly. Yeah. Because dreams slip away quickly... The sooner you can write it down, the better. The fresher it is in your mind, the easier it is to start remembering details. And I don't know how it works for you. For me, half the time, I start remembering things as I'm writing that I don't think I would have picked up on if I was just trying to remember it in my head. Yeah, definitely I would agree with that. When I write down a dream, as I'm writing it down, more details start popping up. It's almost like being in a conversation with someone... The more you talk, well, for me anyway, the more I talk, other ideas pop. Even if I'm telling a story that maybe I haven't told in a while, Mm -hmm. as I'm talking and I'm sharing the details, other things go, oh, yeah, there was this detail that I haven't thought of in a while. So I find that to be true when I'm writing down my dreams. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes we think, oh, I don't remember enough of it. That certainly was true for me, especially at the start. I'd just be like, oh, I just barely remember this little this little chunk. And as you know, since you've had to read plenty of my dreams, my air quote little chunk normally turns into, <laughs> you know, a thousand plus words pretty often. Yeah. And honestly, the, the thing besides that is I'm always like, okay, God, whatever you want in this dream for me to remember, you need to bring it up because I know how my brain works especially if it's uncomfortable, it would very much be more happy to run away and not deal with this than to process it. And I think that's a very, very needed point, something we need to emphasize. This is not us sitting down and figuring out our dreams. Mm. This is us inviting God into the process. It is something we don't do in ourselves, in our own heads and hearts. This is something we do with God. And if I can emphasize two words in this whole episode, it would be with God. First of all, we remembered the dream because God allowed us to remember the dream. So first and foremost, this is an invitation from Him to be with Him. So if we sit to write down the details of the dream and we're doing it in our own power, we've already defeated the reason for this process. So that's a good point, Kim, really good. Well, I find it necessary for for me just knowing, knowing who I am. As I become more and more aware, I'm like, oh, if I don't invite God in pretty quick into this, I don't remember very much. Or I wind up even more stressed out than just my normal level of Ooh, God's trying to take me somewhere I don't want to go. Right. That's huge. 
And for me, yes, I am a morning person more than a night person. However, since God has a tendency to do these dreams at what feels like very, very inconvenient times, I often write down the dream and I'm like, okay, God, I need some sleep because if I'm not awake enough, it doesn't work for me. Now, I know you tend to process them more like you wake up and you're going. I would say 90% of the time that's true, but I think that's a good point for people to hear that they don't have to do the whole process, right? They just have to write down the details of the dream, and then they can go back to sleep and do the rest later. First of all, when you get up and you remember a dream, write it down. Second of all, before you write it down, before you start, ask God to lead the process. And third, you don't have to do the whole process there. If you've got the details of the dream down to the best you can remember it, you can go back to sleep, especially when he wakes you up with this dream at 2 in the morning, right? Yeah, I think he would much rather have you wait until you have time to actually be still and be with him than to try to rush through to an interpretation and miss him. That's just not who he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. (laughs) We're the impatient ones, as a a rule, always trying to jump the gun or drag our feet. Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit. And mentioned the evidence of who God is. It was mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. One of those characteristics or evidences of God's Spirit being with us is patience. Yeah. I often say God is more patient with us, infinitely more patient with us than we are with ourselves. Yeah. And we often equate our sense of impatience as if it's coming from God. And you know, i got to be honest, like a lot of times, for me at least... Some of it's the nines wanting to run away. But interpreting my dreams tends to take a while. And sometimes it takes wrestling, you know, especially if the dream brought up emotions within me that are not comfortable for me to deal with. Sometimes I it takes time. And I would say feelings in dreams are to be paid attention to mm-hmm. more than anything else. Yeah. How you feel about people how you feel about the circumstances. This is something most people, especially men, aren't good in waking life at doing, right? Mm -hmm. We're not good at interpreting our emotions and and really seeing how we feel about things. But most people, I would say, are driven more by their emotions than by logic. We're we're really more of an emotionally driven people. We, We make choices every day based on how we feel and we don't even process or notice what we're feeling. So we don't even know why we're making these choices. And this is where dreams come in very handy is because it is a lot of it is about the realm of emotion and the root of those things. And so it helps us become more aware in our waking life. If we are willing to process our dreams, we become more aware of the decision-making process in our waking life. At least I have found that yeah. to be true. Yeah, I mean, and awareness, uh, we've talked about it before when we've talked about the Enneagram and other things. You can't give to God something you don't know exists. Right. Yeah, you can't surrender the things you need to surrender if you don't know that they're there. Yeah, that's the issue is we don't know what we don't know. That's often the issue anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of the beautiful parts about dreams. Like mm-hmm. you said, it gets under those walls 
that was built up. And yeah, emotion is definitely something you taught me to pay attention to. I mean, I'm already decently emotional. I just like running from it once I figure it out. <laughs> you know, one of the first things you taught me to do is, okay, pray and ask God for a title because that often helps you interpret what you see in the actual storyline through the title for the dream. Good thing to do when you invite God in is mm -hmm. right away, before you begin writing, ask him to reveal the title as you go. And then as you're writing, you pay attention to that. Quite frankly, I generally write and then get the title later, but that's just because if I don't get the dream down, then the title doesn't matter too right. much. It's true. For me. We, we joke that my brain is the etch-a-sketch. You tilt forward, you find something scary, you shake it, and my brain does a really good job of self-protecting by not letting me remember things or struggling to remember them. So that, yeah, it's finding a title, because then you start paying attention, okay, what are the themes that are showing up? Yeah, the title becomes a filter to notice those themes. Yeah, is a certain person showing up a lot? You also told me, oh, write down the characters. Write down the description of the people in the dream. Especially the main characters. Yeah, especially the main characters. Does something show up? Like, a lot of my dreams involve water for whatever reason. Yes. But noticing that, oh, what's going on? Was there water in this dream too? Well, then you start going, okay, well, what does water represent in scripture? Yes. Where are examples of it? And this is the beauty of us all having smartphones now. <laughs> we don't have to rely on a big clunky dictionary to look up definitions or to go, okay, where is water showing up in scripture? What is it talking about? So yeah, that's a big one. Recognizing themes and recognizing, oh, is that showing up more than once? Uh, we talked about things showing up like three times. Often God highlighting that as something that's extremely important for you to pay attention to. Yes. When God wants to cut through the noise of the world to get our attention, he will give us the same message three times, uh, often through people and our circumstances that come unprompted. We didn't ask for the feedback. People yeah. give it, and we'll notice, hey, somebody else just said that to me the other day. That's when I begin to pay attention, even when it's twice unprompted yeah. from circumstances and people in Scripture that something gets highlighted to me, and I'm like, oh, that somebody just said that to the other day. Then I start praying, okay, if this is from you, give me a third one, and I'll yeah. know. So he does that in dreams as well. Yeah, that's, that's normally a pretty big one. Oh, and just to give people scriptural reference mm -hmm. for how God speaks three times, just all you have to do is go to the book of Joshua, yeah. chapter 1 and see God speak three times the same message to Joshua, be strong and be courageous, as he's stepping in to fill the shoes of the founding father of Israel as a nation. Yeah. Like, that's, those are big shoes. Moses, he's, he's about to step in and fill Moses' shoes. Big shoes to fill. God tells him three times, be strong, be courageous. And then when he actually obeys and steps in with confidence and strength to lead the people, they respond, we will obey everything you tell us, only be strong and be courageous. They confirm it a fourth time yeah. <laughs> that he's hearing from God. Yeah, it's always nice when you get extra confirmations. Yes, yes. One of the things you said was that it takes time yeah. to process, and so you could write it all down and go back to sleep, especially if you're tired. There's another side of that, and I thought of 
Jason Hickey, oh, who was yeah. on our on an episode of our show last season, who talked about vigil mm. and how he will wake up in the middle of the night to sacrifice sleep mm-hmm. to be present to God as just like fasting is like yeah we depend on food but we can make food our God yeah. we depend on sleep we need sleep but we can make sleep our God mm-hmm. and it's sometimes you need to it's you're called to fast from things that you depend on to tune your heart more to mm-hmm. God's spirit and declare in that that you're more dependent on him than food or sleep so how do you know whether you're meant to stay up in a particular dream or go back to sleep and get the rest you need? And for me, this comes back to what you said to start off with, mm-hmm. is inviting God into the process. And it is always about just being honest with him as you invite him in. The more honest and vulnerable you can be in the process, right? God, I am tired. And I really don't want to stay awake. I'm going to write this dream down and go back to sleep. Unless you highlight to me as I'm writing this down that I need to stay up. And this is the time for you and I in the stillness of the night to get clarity on whatever this is about. Yeah. You know, we, we're given scripture. But scripture doesn't always apply to every single circumstance we go to. This is why we were also given the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And these are the things, the more honest we are with God, and, you know, this is why dreams are so important. It helps us highlight our feelings. And the more honest we are with God, noticing our feelings, noticing our thoughts, and giving them to Him, the more we are allowing Him to lead us. And so it's just being honest, even even when we're sitting writing down the dream that we're tired, and asking God to show us whether we need to stay awake and go to sleep. It's really so simple. Just being honest with God about what we're feeling and thinking and inviting him to speak into those places. It's so simple, and yet it's so hard for us. It may be simple, it's not easy. Yeah. (laughs) That's why we need the deliberate practices. So Kim, also though, going back to, this just came into my head, going back to the last thing you said, part of the practice is writing the main characters down. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, what does that process look like? Is it just writing down their names? Because what you taught me was that the people in your dreams most often represent parts of you. Good parts, bad parts, things you like, things you can't stand, (laughs) which, you know, I feel like because I like to fall asleep to that, those ones often show up on a regular basis. I'll write down like a description of them, how I feel about them in the dream, what is my impression of them, and if if it happens to be someone that I know in real life, which fortunately for me doesn't happen as often. Oh, it happens a lot for me. Yeah. It's more people you don't know in real life. Yeah, which works great for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if it is someone I know, well, well, what do I normally feel and think about them? Like, how do I normally have an interaction with them? I mean, you've you've shown up in my dreams a couple times. And I'm always magnificent. Oh, yes. Like those old, you old didn't Spice commercials? Yeah. I'm on a horse. Well, that was literally the one I was thinking of. Really? <laughs> I just was, brought that up. Was, was the one where you were trying to convince me to climb on this absolutely ginormous horse. And <laughs> 
couldn't seem to figure out how to get on. I couldn't, or you couldn't? You. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to get you on the horse, but I can't get on it? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't at all amusing. <laughs> it was a little annoying in the dream, mm. but outside of the dream, quite amusing. I'm like, oh, of course. This is your brilliant idea. Yeah. There's no saddle, genius. <laughs> and this is a tall horse. Anyway, but, you know, I know how I normally interact with you and my impressions and thoughts of you, so I'm like, is it? No, I'm like, no, actually, Kurt would do this. Mine's up pretty good with what I know, because that was the same dream where you wouldn't leave me alone when I wanted to be left alone, which, yes, you've also done in real life. I accept that. I confess to that. (laughs) It's not a bad thing in that case. That wasn't a complaint. (laughs) Not really. It, it is something that I need at times. Because to be pursued. To be pursued, because I'm not used to it. Hmm. But it is something to look forward to. So, okay, well, is Kurt acting like Kurt? Yeah, Kurt's acting like Kurt in this dream. Okay, then that probably is just actually Kurt being Kurt, so I can focus on the other things. So that was the dream where I was kind of avoiding everyone. Hmm. And I was near people, but not with them. And instead of getting closer to the people in the dream, I kept getting far... Every time we went to a new scene, I was getting farther and farther away from them. Mm. I think it was one of the ones where it's like, God, like, you're avoiding people that you need to actually have in your life. I'm like, oh, okay. Nice. So he pointed out through me pursuing you to an obnoxious level in the dream that you were avoiding. Yeah, avoiding, hiding. I managed to do all those in the dream and... We already know I do that in real life as well. So, yeah, okay, so, you know, like, it's noticing the people, how you feel about them. Yeah. If you know them, what's your general opinion of them in waking life? That can inform how you see them in the dream, which can inform, if they represent some aspect of you, that can inform what God is trying to reveal about you. What aspect, some aspect he's trying to reveal about you. Yeah. Is there anything else in the tools area that has helped you process dreams? Yeah, I think for me, honestly, the bigger one for me has often just been going, okay, God, yes, there's all these tools, yes, there's all these things, but what do you want to show me? Because sometimes the best things I get start with one tiny little thought. Uh, There was one with a dragon that I accidentally, my character that I was in the dream, accidentally woke up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, you didn't start out doing this because you were trying to be disobedient or bad. You were just curious. And you were mis- uninformed about something. And he's like, you're beating yourself up. You didn't mess up. I mean, there were consequences that weren't great, but you didn't go into it maliciously. Stop beating yourself up over it. So it was highlighting something in real life that you were beating yourself up over. Yeah. And it was just simply because I asked the question. He's like, well, did your character... Because all he asked me was, he's like, well, did your character in the dream do that because they were wanting to be a jerk? Or because they were wanting to destroy the world? Because it was one of those world-destroying potential type dreams. I'm like, no, he was just curious. And that comes back to what we talked about, about the scary things or the hard things in dreams that we think are going to be really negative or God's going to speak something negative to us. So in that dream, waking up that dragon was a fearful thing, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I (laughs) then character got in trouble. I wind up running away. All sorts of craziness ensues. 
And yet, there was an encouraging message from God through all of that fearful, heartbreaking stuff in the dream. And I love that you said, you know, sometimes all these things break down, all these tools and everything that, you know, at least I say 90% of the time, the people in your dream represent some aspect of you. Mm-hmm. But there's still that 10%, and I've had plenty of dreams where the, most of the people in the dream didn't represent mm-hmm. some aspect of me. This is, again, where it's vital that we invite God into the process as soon as we wake up even to help us write down the dream, right? Yeah, I mean, without him, you're shooting in the dark. Mm -hmm. And you might come up with an, air air quotes, your answer. Yeah, especially if you use the tools, but that's not guaranteed. It doesn't mean that you're actually hearing from him unless Mm -hmm. you're inviting him in and being open to the Holy Spirit and being vulnerable in it. I mean, honestly, that's the main, most important thing, really. Mm -hmm. The tools are great. But to limit yourself to the tools and not to say, Holy Spirit, is there anything else? Am I missing something? Is there something you want to highlight or something you want to say? Because the upside of this is you're already, should be at least, in a state where you're pursuing him. Mm-hmm. Where you're open to whatever he has to say. So to just go, okay, have I missed anything? Is there a next step? Is there something you want me to do with this? there's something I need to give to you that you've highlighted already that we need to work on or is there something I need to talk to whoever your spiritual director is or whoever your accountability person is is there more processing that needs to happen with someone else absolutely that is gold if we do all that other stuff and we even get a clear message from God but we don't ask for next steps and then even if we do ask for next steps and we don't obey, what was the point? Mm. This is discipleship in a nutshell. Like, I think people, organizations, church communities often complicate the idea of discipleship. Mm. For me, it is simple as this. Discipleship, whether we're doing it ourselves or we're teaching somebody else, is simply about pursuing God to hear His voice which is what we're talking about when it comes to dreams, and then obeying what he said one step at a time. That's it. Pursuing God to hear his voice and obeying what he says one step at a time. That's discipleship. That's what we should be doing for ourselves. I shouldn't say we should. (laughs) This is what God invites us into one step at a time for us and for the people we lead. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay, so the big one and how God spoke to you through that. Is there any times where dreams help shift your perspective on Him, on God, and on yourself in a major way? Yeah, (laughs) it took a few dreams because, you know, I'm not at all stubborn. Yeah, I get you. I can be too. One of the ones that God seemed to have to nail through my head, He's like, you're way harder on yourself than I am. I'm not frustrated with you. You're frustrated with yourself, and that needs to stop. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had so many dreams where frustration was running rampant through my dreams. And, and we already know how horribly I do when I get frustrated with myself. It makes my already occasionally jumbled brain <laughs> that much harder to interpret <laughs> and to remember. Yeah. And so I think that's that's been a huge one. Does it mean I still don't bunny trail occasionally or frequently? No. 
still pretty good at that, but I have noticed it's taking me less time. Exactly. The time frame has diminished in the time it takes you to open up and get vulnerable with me yeah. and other people. Yeah. It, it's gone down drastically compared to... Well, and I'm, I'm thinking back even further because before you, there was Robert. Your friend Robert My White. friend Robert White. Yeah. My big brother, one of my best friends, especially for a huge season of my life when we were talking like 18 years. I'd say we were extremely close. Yeah, although not as much at the beginning. Right. Because we didn't start having real conversations until I was like 27. We'd already been friends for nine years at that point. Wow. But even then, I just remember, like, it would take me three to five hours to even start trying to open my mouth to talk about what I needed to talk about. I mean, I had very set specifications. They had dog who always needed a walk before we went to bed, so... Look, it's dark. You can't see me, so if I'm crying, it's okay. And we're walking, so my body was being active. Because you're in... The gut or body triad for the Enneagram, which means that when my body's engaged, the, uh, <laughs> the self-preservation, resistance stuff yeah. tends to go down. Yeah. But, you know, we're talking three to five hours before we hit that point. Most of the time, we're talking 30 to 45 minutes into the walk and a lot of stuttering and stopping. And I'm sure some of the conversation made absolutely no sense <laughs> because it was whatever I could manage to blurt out through a half-clenched jaw, which was not my idea. And now? And, and now we do it in less than two, on average, <laughs> for a lot of that stuff. And, and that's talking deep stuff. Yeah, even and deeper problems. A lot of the times, yeah, even deeper stuff than what uh, Robert and I would have been talking about. And very rarely do I actually feel my jaw clenching up anymore. I mean, my my fingers are still twitching, possibly, or my toes. But there's much less stress. Hmm. And just hearing God go, like, I'm not frustrated with you. Through that dream. <sighs> I think there was at least six or seven dreams in the course of, like, six to nine months hmm. that all mentioned some level of frustration and just going, he's like, I'm not beating you up. I'd really prefer it if you didn't beat yourself up either. <laughs> if you could just stop yeah. and relax. Like, take the time you need. Okay, I can take my time. You know, that, that's been huge. And I love, I love in that what you're highlighting is the repetitive nature of the message that came through dreams. Because oftentimes we need, we don't need necessarily new information. Mm -hmm. We need to be reminded of what we've already heard from God that we're still not putting into practice, right? We're or still receiving. not believing and receiving, yeah. right? Which is practice. Yeah. You know, that is, the, that is what God wants for us. And, you know, this is why in Scripture, the most given command, not the greatest commandment, which is love God right. and second like it, love your neighbor as yourself, but the most given command is do not fear. Mm. And this is across human history. How many times God or angels approached humanity and we freaked out, right? <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, yeah. right? Well, People go, all right, we have to fear the Lord. No. We don't have to fear the Lord in, that, in one way, anyway. We're already afraid. 
the fear of the Lord is not about generating or not generating fear. Mm. We are already afraid. That's why we need God, right? To tell us over and over and over again, do not fear. Do not be afraid. That's the most given command in Scripture. The real issue with our fear is what do we do with it? Mm. So when God shows up, do we run from Him and hide like Adam and Eve did after the fall? Or do we move towards Him in our fear and confess it and let Him speak into it? That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to approach Him in our fear and be honest and vulnerable with what we're feeling. Our anxiety, our insecurity, our fear. Bringing that to Him and allowing Him to speak into that is the beginning of wisdom. That's the fear of the Lord. And we're all afraid. In our fear, do we run from Him or do we move towards Him? And He constantly reminds us to not be afraid, right, when we approach Him. But yet we need that constant reminder. And that's the great thing about what you're saying is you needed God through many dreams to remind you of this one thing. And so that's a good thing for people to hear. You may get the same message over and over again to the dreams because you still need to be reassured or convicted or encouraged in that area. You're not yet receiving it. And that is, again, goes back to the patience of God. He is more than okay. He is absolutely crazy about us, and he just wants to be with us. And if that means being with us means repeating the same message that we're still not really getting, aware of, or believing, or receiving, he is. He just wants to be with us, and he will have the same conversation with us, and even through our dreams. So if you're processing a dream and you're getting the same message, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Pay attention to it because he wants that to get drilled down yeah. into us so that we hear his voice and obey because that's discipleship. Yeah. So those are the basics. <laughs> and I think this is a great place to stop and do a part two for the next episode because I've learned some things, some, some more details. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So stay tuned and uh, join us again for the next one as we cover uh, part two when it comes to dream interpretation, the journey continues. And please know you can reach out to us with any of your questions, your prayer requests, or if you need help because you're feeling stuck in some area of your life. I am a coach for transformation that helps people move forward on their journey. If you want more information, or you want prayer, or you have questions, you can email me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. And as always, remember that you are God's beloved, so be loved.